A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. podcast. My name is David Neck. And I'm Zachary Kierstead. And this is the podcast where we are trekking through the Star Trek timeline, episode by episode, and um, giving you our humble reviews of what's going on in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, you know, and uh, as we discussed before, we'll do a little house cleaning. Um, You can check us out on Pippa, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, um, pretty much every major podcasting uh, source as well. Uh, For those of you watching on video, you know it's on YouTube. And for those of you that don't know, it's on YouTube. That's right. Um, And so today we're doing Star Trek Episode 2, Fight or Flight, Stardate 5-6-21-51. And uh, a quick little synopsis on this one that I wrote. Preempt uh, after watching it was find abandoned ship, aliens come, <laughs> distress beacon, harvesting aliens not please. You know you really cut to the meat of it there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is the episode where uh, Archer and Co are really itching, really jonesing for a uh, a first contact. The That's only right. contact they've had at this point is uh, Sluggo, Hoshi's uh, slug that is <laughs> obviously dying. and um, Appropriately named Sluggo. You know, I, I have a feeling in my mind that that, I, I hope to God that was um, improvised. Uh, like <laughs> the name had, of the slug. <laughs> yeah, they probably had some fucking ridiculous name and went to Sluggo. But anyway, they, uh, they happen upon a, a ship... And they try to contact it. There's no contact. They beam down. And the ship, after- by the way, is, is it's stranded in the middle of, of space, just, just kind of an empty space of space. And, you know, continue. Sorry. Mm. Actually, I'll continue now. No, not at all. <laughs> Anyways, they beam onto the ship, and they find... Um, they find these bodies, and they're, they're most of them are hanging upside down. 
mm-hmm. and they have uh, machines attached to them and it's later revealed that they're sucking out a chemical compound of their blood called trigl- triglobulin <laughs> it's a uh, they're damn near brain sucking aliens yeah <laughs> um so the crew of the enterprise leave hastily because they don't feel like it's a safe place to be but after getting what maybe like a day or two away mm-hmm. maybe not even that maybe six hours away archer has a change of heart and he directs everybody to go back to the ship and um they transport onto the ship in order to reach out to the race of the people who are on the ship by sending a distress distress signal with their ship yeah, and uh, so the main subplot here is that Hoshi's afraid of the aliens, and she's afraid of transporting down. And um, actually, they don't beam down, do they? They uh, they haven't used the transporter yet outside of sending supplies. They're, uh, that's right. That's right. They're specifically uh, taking the shuttle mm-hmm. um, down, and uh, it seems that you know the whole subplot is that Hoshi is scared of the aliens and freaks out and she has a real uh, existential crisis about her role on the ship and thinks yeah. that she doesn't want to uh, she should just go back to teaching where it was safer you know what's she even doing here she's not supplying any uh, she's not affording any extra cause to the crew yeah she she feels out of place she feels like she doesn't really have a have a have a place there whereas like everybody else you know either knows how to, you know, pilot the ship or there's a tactical uh, guy. roles, yeah. Yeah. And since there's no first contact, she hasn't really been able to use her defined role as a yet. Yeah. And, and you know, what's, what's interesting is she actually, she actually has one of the most important roles on the, on the ship, you know, mm-hmm. because she is, you know, she's not the inventor of the universal translator, but she's kind of like, you know, one of the, premier people to utilize it and um, develop it. So, you know, it's, it's a really interesting conflict that they, that they introduce early into the series. Yeah, and uh, I, I really like how there's the allegory of how uh, Hoshi's the slug. Yes, you know, definitely. A little fish out of water who just wants to find her place. Yeah, um, and it's... It, you know, going back to what you'd mentioned like a second ago, um, you said that, um, or maybe you didn't say it. I don't know. Anyways, relating more or expanding more on that, that <laughs> her and Flocks are having a um, dialogue about, about the slug because she's concerned that the slug is like dying on the ship. And um, she says she has an interesting quote. Um Go ahead and pull it up. While, while you do yeah. that, I just want to say that uh, I think fucking any scene that Flock shows up in, he just brings out the best in it. He's always got something, some fun to say, some fun anecdote. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I forget if, I think it might be him that says mm-hmm. uh, there's something to be learned from every life form. Yes. You know, come on, Travis, we got to find uh, Mr. Reed something to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good old, a good old Archer. And that's Archer as he uh, jumps down the, uh, the ladder there. Yeah. Um, I found the quote there. So they're talking about, 
you know, the slug on the ship and Hoshi says, I just don't think she's uh, fitted to, or she's well fitted to be on this ship. And Flock says, perhaps she she would be somewhere where she can teach. Yeah. And then the music comes in and, and it's kind of like a Hoshi raises her eyebrow as if, you know, <laughs> the proverbial metaphorical oh, checkmate. <laughs> you got me, you dirty Denoblin. Yeah. Denoblin. Um, Anyways, to finish off the summary of yes. the, what happens in the episode, they go back to the ship. They manage to send out a distress, distress signal, but as they do it, the ship, another ship drops out of orbit or drops out of warp. And um, it's it's the aliens who are trying to harvest the triglobulin from those aliens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, Phlox also mentions that the humans actually, hum, human beings produce triglobulin from, I think it was their, uh, some sort of gland. Um, anywho. The brain gland to the adrenal. Yeah, the adrenal tri- gland. Tri- triglobulin. <laughs> Yeah. So the the alien ship begins tractor beaming the Enterprise up to them, and then what? How what would you describe what what happens next, or how would you describe what happens next? Well, so don't they don't they get back, and then uh, following once they get back onto the ship after they're done harvesting and figuring out what's going on, and they do mm-hmm. the distress beacon, the other aliens mm-hmm. come. They begin to attack. Now Reed mm-hmm. finally gets his chance to, you know, blow something up and see if That's they right. set up the tactical correctly. That's and, right. And uh, then in the middle of the battle, the alien race that matches the ones that are being harvested in the ship shows up, mm-hmm. and they want to attack as well. And then Hoshi then turns... It becomes Hoshi's role to try and uh, translate with them. She has a total identity crisis, and T'Pol goes... Just speak to them directly, Hoshi, mm-hmm. um, in her cold Vulcan manner. And then uh, she manages to tell them they're the ones sealing your blood mm-hmm. and uh, you need to help us fight them off. And yeah. And, and they, they blow them and, up. And then they do. <laughs> they, they blow yeah. that shit up, ship up. <laughs> you know, find something, insert problem. Fix problem, blow it up, save the day. Yeah. Yeah. It was a real, really straight up uh, episode. Um, mm-hmm. A little fun fact is that uh, it's the only show to feature the theme in score. Mm. So that's kind of going around in the background, I, th- I think, especially when Hoshi is able to translate effectively. Right. Um, and uh, so Rick Berman was saying that uh, they weren't. Surprise! They were surprised that the first story of the regular episode. They were surprised that the story of the first regular episode of the series, mm-hmm. outside of the intro episode, defeat uh, was to feature Hoshi Seto um, to such a large degree, and you know it just happened, and that's how they mm-hmm. came up with it. Um, and then, uh, and what's what's interesting about that is I know later in the season she also gets a like an episode, or maybe not later in in this particular season, but later in the show, she gets another episode devoted entirely to her mm-hmm. about the, the, the warp incident where she, she uses the uh, teleporter 
and she gets caught yes. in like a, a little, parallel dimension or whatever. Yeah, her atoms are like split, and she's caught in sort of a different dimension where she sees everything that's happening, but she's not yeah. really there. But that it ends up being this like time causal loop, and so yeah. it's really happening during the time that she's being transported, mm-hmm. which is uh, just an excellent you know use of Star Trek fucking storytelling science. Yeah. Science. <laughs> Science. Um, it's a. This is also the first appearance of the Axanar, who's homeworld um, of Axanar, mm-hmm. uh, which was mentioned in the original series, Whom Gods Destroy, in connection to the Axanar peace mission, which mm-hmm. uh, was also referenced in the episode Court Martial, which was the 20th episode of the first season. So I think they're trying to do a little homage to things that happened earlier on to try and tie in this right. canon earlier on. Um they uh, went on to appear only once more in the form of a captive aboard uh, an episode called Dead Stop. Um, and that's later in the series for Enterprise? I believe so. Mm-hmm. And this is also the first Enterprise episode to prominently feature the EV suits, uh, though a different variation of the gear was seen in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, another little piece of trivia. They're very, they're very, by the way, those EV suits are very early 2000s. Yo, I, the whole time I watched it, I was trying to think, what fucking movie is this from? And, like uh, uh, Mars, um, Red Planet, mm-hmm. you know, some of those. every one of those. Yeah, Moment. and almost almost even like 2001 A Space Odyssey-ish a little bit. Mm. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about 2001 is, did you know 2001 has no spaceship sound? Oh really? It's it's actually the only like space show to feature uh, the fact that you can't hear the sound in space. Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> and of course, um, you know, the director of the movie, of course, his his attention to detail. How could how could he miss that? <laughs> how could he? Anecdotally, I tried to switch my uh, Alexa's name to Hal, and it, it didn't work. <laughs> Oh, damn. <laughs> I did, however, switch it to computer, and I thought I was being clever, you know, computer. Computer. Tell me what I want. and uh, <laughs> But I watched too much Star Trek, and so every time I'd be watching it, Alexa would turn on because <laughs> they reference the computer so goddamn often. It's a fucking nightmare. Um, but, uh... Anyway, this episode received a very negative response from certain viewers. The, uh... Alita Star Trek, oh. I guess. You know, I don't mean to uh, call the ones that The ones that hate Discovery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is definitely not us. Um, and these are the same people who point out that Flock's a biologist who uh, should have never endorsed Hoshi's idea to leave the slug on a random planet where it might become an invasive species to the environment. You know, there's, at a certain point, there's got to be a level of suspension of disbelief, you know? Definitely, yeah. There's got to be something here where, let's just, okay, you know, let her let the goddamn slug live mm-hmm. in the same way, like, let's let Hoshi live. Well, and, I mean, if you if you think about it a little bit more deeply, there there really isn't, like, a, like a conflict of, of, with the Star Trek universe, because this, this, my impression of the first season of Enterprise is they're learning how to be in space. You know, they're learning, mm-hmm. you know, they're making mistakes. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, 
yeah, maybe it is the future and, you know, flocks being a biologist and all that stuff, you know, maybe that is, you know, technically correct, but also, you know, they're all learning what it's like to be on a voyage in space and, you know, they're allowed, in my opinion, they're allowed to make those type of mistakes. I I couldn't agree more. However, Mm -hmm. there is a moment where, uh, Archer's first contacting the uh, abandoned, or not abandoned, but mm-hmm. unmoving ship. Right. And, uh, you know, he goes, I'm, you know, Halo. I'm Captain Archer of, uh, you know, <laughs> the Enterprise. And Trip With his dad Earth. smile. Don't even get me started on the dad smile. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh, Trip's going, you know, Earth. Tell him we're from Earth. And he goes, of Earth. Which, by the way, imagine we were talking to the Borg. Yeah. You know, at which point he goes, right now we're transporting, we're transmitting you coordinates of where to find Earth. I'm so glad like, you brought this up. Oh, great. Now, what if I'm, they were fucking hostile, you dumb one, you know? I'm so glad you brought that up, because that's actually <laughs> something that I wrote down. It's like, why would you immediately just send an unknown alien like your coordinates here. to our star system? <laughs> You know, it's a, create a little bit of a rapport, you know? Yeah, I, w- I will agree. That would probably be my point of maybe breaking with the with the Star Trek. Sure. sure. <laughs> but it's minor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go ahead. Oh, no, that, that's all I had to say about that. Um, you know, again, there's this sense of human and Vulcan comparison being super present. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... It's a really good episode in that they... It's the first episode where everyone starts to really feel... Mm -hmm. They're trying to flesh out the roles. Yeah. You know, and uh, trying to think about, as as you were saying earlier, um, this is their first time in space. Mm -hmm. Everyone's a little trigger happy. Yeah. You know, to get their their roles defined. Exactly. And be useful. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you... uh, Did you have a... Oh, this is what it is. Uh, when when Flox goes, have you smelled Ensign Socorro after she exercises? She gives off a fragrance not unlike the adrenal gland of a Nausicaan. <laughs> yeah, I did hear that. You know, just so much. He he doesn't understand how much of a fish out of water he is. Yeah. And, I, you know, with all the xenophobia and racism towards the Vulcans, everyone's like, it's just Flox, man. Yeah, no, he's cool. He's just a Denobulan, it's fine. <laughs> With his Denobulan uh, mullet. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, if, if I had an interesting part, because um, I, I know that's what you're going to ask me, um, maybe not interesting part, but interesting development of a character is Phlox, because he, especially in this, in this uh, first season, he straddles the line between not only being a doctor, but also being a psychologist, yes. you know, and, yeah. and that kind of ties in with, you know, like this is, this is the first voyages of the enterprise and, you know, they're not as advanced as they are in the next generation or they're not as advanced as they are in discover or maybe discovery. But, um, you know, Flox has this almost holistic approach to, to how he takes care of people. And, you know, even in, in the first episode when he's bringing on all those little cages full of yeah. bats and slugs and, and, and things, yeah. he's, he's like, he's almost like an alchemist yeah. <laughs> aboard the ship. And then he helps Hoshi work through her problems. And also, you know, as the series progresses, I know 
he he you know he embodies that role of of not only being a doctor but being a psychologist as well yeah you know and, and i, I his, all of his observations as he's sitting down to eat with trip where you know he yeah. goes do you see those two they're preparing to mate yeah do you see the way ensign hammond eats you know, he's just <laughs> completely entranced with the fucking the way humans are yeah is, it's kind of cute it's very adorable it is um this is also the first time in canon that uh, a captain speaks about a ship being a, a mission on a mission of exploration. Mm. Um, you know, and I really liked the homage to TOS with the, you know, to Paul the Vulcan on the viewer and Hoshi with the earpiece. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the tech that comes on later. Yeah, which is again one of the biggest gripes with Discovery in that like there's none of that shit. Mm-hmm. They're not really doing those little bits. So credit, everyone hates Enterprise on the surface, but credit to them for trying to keep to the story, you know? Yeah, and also keeping with the continuity, you know, like c- continuing from the first episode where they keep making references and there's, you know, visual clues that, you know, they're not as advanced as the next generation, you know, mm-hmm. teleporters barely, barely working. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and they do, I, I like, uh, I think they did a good job at, at creating kind of an origin story for it all. I agree. I, I definitely, definitely agree. Um, that, uh, I guess the, one of the last things I got to say is that, uh, the squeak found in Archer's ready room floor that annoys him in the beginning of the episode is mm-hmm. repaired, um, later on in the episode dead stop. Mm. So, so there's a little, you know, Easter egg that that's that little creek goes on for several fucking episodes. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and because it's so early on in the voyages of humanity, they just have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. We left the WD-40 back on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, have you got anything else you want to you want to cover there? Nope, I think that that about does it. All right. Well, you know, thanks for listening to The Star Companion, Episode 2, Star Trek Enterprise. That's um, right. Again, you can catch us on all major podcasting platforms. we got a Patreon, a YouTube, all The if, Star Companion. Oh, yeah. And, and if you'd like to watch along with us, where we posted the timeline on our website, and you mm-hmm. can follow along as we trek through the track. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.